Welcome back to the Sober Grind, Welcome everybody. Welcome back to the Sober Grind. And we're in our uh, nightcaps over here. Over on this one. On this one, we're on nightcaps. On this one, we're just plain. We're just plain. Oops. Turn your organic. It's a quality problem. So, ladies and gentlemen, today, welcome back to the Sober Grind once again. We have a super interesting topic today. We're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of interview Pej and we're going to kind of talk about his individual drug experiences. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions about Pej's experience, your own experience, or you just want to know a little bit more mm -hmm. about a particular drug, Please let us know. We'll answer it live. We're also doing an ongoing video series on YouTube about what all of these individual drugs are like, uh, what it's like, the effects of them, what it's like to come off of them, the withdrawal, the detox process, if there is one. So far, we've done so many. So what, many. What, how many have you done? What have you done so far? Probably like remember? 10 or 15 different videos, maybe? Perhaps? Yeah, something like that. We just shot another one today. Yes. So we did. What was the one about today? Uh, ecstasy. A little bit of ecstasy. MDMA, Molly. Yes. The MDMA. rave party drugs. Methylene dioxide methamphetamine. Say that ten times. Yep. I give you. I give you a dollar. Okay. So let's do this. You ready? Yeah. So what what drug do you want to start with first? Well, okay. So my experience with drugs. Yeah. And uh, none of this is to glorify drug use or anything like that, but. You know, sometimes this is the longer I stay sober, the more I get to review my life and see like, where did it all start? Why did it all start? What did it all start with? What did I use first? So I know that when we lived in Germany, I, I mm -hmm. my parents were drinking, my dad was drinking some cognac with another man and they'd left some shot glasses on the table and I was just a young little boy. And I went and I drank one shot of, wow, look how cool that looks. Whoa, that's so, cool. One shot of um, uh, cognac as a mm -hmm. young tyke. I don't even remember the age, maybe anywhere. Well, look at that, you're tripping here. Yeah. So that wasn't like an actual trying to go and use and get high. But uh, what ended up happening was down the line when I was 12 years old, I was growing up in Utah, uh, very boring state for a young 12 year old. And um, unless you like hiking, unless I like hiking, so. uh, my first experience with an out of body experience, like um, uh, like taking my mind to the other level, was well. Let me back up. Uh, we would go to our in our health class. We would watch these videos, and they would tell us never to sniff um, mm. whiteout or glue. Mm. So I just had, that, that's where it started. I had to start sniffing glue, mm. and it was like a little head change. But I remember mm -hmm. that I was mowing lawns, and I started sniffing um, gasoline. Mm. They call it huffing. Mm -hmm. So I was on my own, alone, in a shed in the summer, hot summer, sniffing gasoline, and it would take me to this other level of thinking. Uh, there was a, it was very like I would hallucinate and kind of just go into this other world, and it was temporary. And I did that a few times until I actually uh, spilled gasoline on myself. Mm -hmm. Then in that same year, I had my first drunk. I went to a mm -hmm. wedding, I drank, and that was that. You know, like basically I basically I got trashed. Had a black, I blacked out right mm. at the end of the night. And, um, and so there was my first run. Also around that time, around 13, 12, 13 years old in Utah, there was certain kids that were kind of the outcasts that would hang out and do things behind churches and schools and buildings and things like smoke weed. Mm -hmm. And I remember like somebody had some weed and it was, they called it Christmas tree bud. And I smoked that and it burned my throat really bad. Mm. And I don't even think like the first time it got me high. Mm. I don't think I was inhaling. They say, they say that. The, the first time you don't, you have to like. I think mm. you know, teach their own. They 
I would smoke I've heard it. that before. I've heard that a lot, actually. See, I'd already started smoking cigarettes here and there a little bit. So I was thinking, like, you smoke it like a cigarette. But no, you don't. You have to, yeah. like, burn your throat, right? So I did that. And and um, it didn't give me high that time. But, like, I kept trying because mm-hmm. friends kept having it. So, like, every time I would try, I got into it. And then, like, I really felt the effect that's produced my marijuana, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I liked it. There was a certain onset that would kind of just, like, overtake my brain and make me, you know, very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Very relaxed. And for a guy like me and the amount of turmoil that was going on in my house or just the, the, the thoughts and the insecurities and everything, that just took everything off. So between alcohol and marijuana, both of them took the edge off. It basically mm-hmm. made me feel very, very comfortable in my own skin. And it got me out of right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as time progressed, um, growing up, we moved out to California. Uh, I was doing the whole high school thing and we were drinking, we were smoking weed. And I had a certain someone that was a so-called friend whose dad worked in the hotel industry and he actually did a lot of cocaine. Mm-hmm. So we got our hands on a jar of cocaine that was under his bed and someone mm-hmm. taught us how to uh, cook it up in freebase cocaine. So mm-hmm. then we had little lots of coke and we were doing that. And not normal for set to a couple 16 years old, 16 year olds, right? So doing some cocaine, smoking that, um, it was a 10 minute high of that, even if that, right? And, um, Anything that would get me out of right here right now. At the age of 17, I had a majorly a, a major accident that was a traumatic experience that uh, made me want to really numb out. So now I've already developed this um, relationship with drugs and alcohol to where um, I like to experiment. But I think at that point, I went past the experimental phase. Mm-hmm. I was actually trying to now just numb out all feeling due to the fact of this car accident. Somebody died as a result of this car accident. And I just didn't, like, I didn't want to live. Like, there was a lot of sorrow, a lot of grief, a lot of shame, guilt, a lot of things that I was just pouring anything I could into my body. So, you know, at the time, the Grateful Dead were still around. Mm-hmm. The actual Grateful Dead, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> they had come to Irvine at Irvine Meadows. Wow. And everybody, Jerry Garcia and all? I didn't actually go inside. Oh, okay. There was a parking lot in those, uh-huh. that if you went to the parking okay. lot of the Grateful Dead yeah. shows, you could get acid, you could do hallucinogens, sure. things like that. So so I started doing hallucinogens. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, people were selling acid. And I remember there was one weekend where I bought a bunch and I did a bunch. And it started from Friday and the whole weekend went until Sunday. And uh, what drugs can you say you've not used? Oh, that's a good one. So Trey Sides is asking what drugs can you say I've yeah. say not used? Also, hello to everybody. Uh, if you have any questions at all, please let us know. We're just talking about... Um, Different drug types, the Impeja's experience. So, so, so the drug the drug that I never used out of all drugs, because I've used a lot of drugs, is one of them is, met, um, what is it called? PCP. Mm. And the reason that I never tried PCP was because in those health classes, when they taught us like uh, the educational uh, teachings of like what not to use, they showed us a video of a guy that did PCP. And he was so messed up that he lost his mind. He actually lifted a car. The cops were trying to contain him. He was, and I just thought, like, that's something. He like, lifted a car? It was nuts. It, it was, it, I was fearful of that, so I never wanted to do PCP. Yeah. Although down the line, I did mescaline, which is sort of like a form of it. To, regardless. So no PCP, no peyote. Um, mm. What else? I, I did everything else. So the... We published a, a, an article today on uh, on bath salts. Do you have any experience with that at all? Or Not using it, but, okay. I, but I know about it. Right? Sure. Okay. So also during that time, I remember there's this one drug called Rush. Oh, okay. And Rush was just something that it was like an inhalant. You, mm. I was into inhalants and stimulants during this time and hallucinogens. 
and marijuana, which is kind of sort of a hallucinogen, so sort of a depressant, right? So I was into depressants too, because alcohol is that too. Mm -hmm. So I remember like in school, somebody would get like a little bottle of this stuff called Rush. You'd do, you'd inhale this thing. One quick inhale up your nose and it kind of just made you like, and it, it was legal? No, I don't think. Where do you, I don't even know what if it was considered legal or anything like that. But okay. somebody happened to have it. I did it, and it kind of just made for not even five minutes. You were just hmm. you'd go to La La Land just for five minutes, real quick. You know, it's sort of like you know. And at the time, like we would do nitrous oxide and things like that. Anything to change my mentality, my mood, my head uh, reality, take me out of right mm -hmm. here, right now. Again, I'm going to say this. Like in my house. There was a lot of madness. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of violence. There was um, things that made the living situation very uncomfortable. So I remember like that weekend that I went and did that acid for three days. Um, I, I so beautiful. I think you meant to say absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, what drug is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I went and did all this acid. And I remember coming home after from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I just peeking my brains out. I get to the house. And my dad's angry again. I'm thinking I'm coming down off the acid. I don't want to deal with this guy. And I remember thinking as a 16 or 17 year old that I love doing drugs to escape the madness that's within my life and my house. Mm. Right. I remember thinking that the word escape, like this is a great escape. I get to get out of my body, out of my mind. And just, you know, we did morning glory. You know, we did um, all this. We were totally experimenting during that time. There wasn't mm. anything that wasn't coming in my bath. do a video on morning. Sure, for sure. The, the yeah. Seeds, right? Yeah, the seeds, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so then I uh, I remember that. So now I'm developing this full-on drug addiction. I I ended up going to juvenile hall for a while, and I told myself in there, well, I'm not going to do anything when I get out of here. I'm going to be a good boy. And lo and behold, the second I walk out of the, the juvie and go back to school, I'm greeted by people at school with blunts, you know, mm -hmm. and and weed and rolled joints and and um, alcohol, and I was doing acid within that first week again. And hmm. that was just a way of life. I was just a 17 year old kid that was like, anything you got, you know, give it to me because it's Pej, like hmm. Pej's favorite. Uh, I'll do it all, right? It was no drug of choice, like, hmm. you know. So were there were there different phases of drug use throughout? So like at yes. this point in your life, you only did this drug and then this drug, or was there a, a mix? Of like I said, during that time in my later, in my late adolescence, I was trying everything. Okay. It, there was no limitations. There wasn't anything that I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. Cocaine, did it all the time. You know, Persian kid. A lot of the Persian kids, they were like from well-to-do families. It was like a, the drug that we like to do. We like to get cocaine, go out and drink, and, and stay in hotels and do things with people, right? Like mm -hmm. I won't go into detail, but you can imagine, right? And, and then down the line, um, I even got into doing steroids. And steroids were obviously not... It is a drug. What's that? Isobutyl. Nice oh, isobutyl. I, it looked like it said absolutely. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I thought it was I've a typo. Yeah, it. isobutyl. Yeah. Oh, that's Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rush. Oh. That's what it is. Good one, Trey. Hey, hey thank you for that. Hey, we should Did you do another ever video try on Trey? That. Did you ever try Rush? But um, so let's do another video on that. No, for sure. So down the line, um, I remember I started doing steroids because um, I I believe I suffered from body dysmorphia, right? Mm. So like, I didn't feel like my body was ever uh, toned enough, nice enough. I, it was, to me, it always looked like it was weird shaped. I could walk by a mirror and say, this makes me look really fat. And then I walk mm. by another mirror and think like, this mirror makes me look kind of skinny, right? Yeah. So doing steroids, all of a sudden, I, like within a few weeks, my muscles are bulging out and 
And that was awesome. And it definitely was like, it played with my mind and I'd start getting a six pack and looking really, really good. Then you get off that cycle after like however long it was, six weeks or something like that. And then I want to eat a lot and I'm smoking mm. weed. So then when I eat, mm. um, I'd start to gain weight. Now, people in our town were doing meth. Now, this is old school prank that they were doing. The type of stuff that it wasn't what the, what's out there today, like glass and ice and things like that. It was biker dope, like mm. straight up jet fuel like rocket fuel, people would do it and you would just shed pounds. So for a guy like me who was starting to get fat, it was messing with my mind. I had to use something to, to take the weight off. And mm. on top of that, it would keep me up for hours and hours. I remember the first time I ever, when I was doing a lot of cocaine, somebody gave me a line of crystal meth. And when I did it, it didn't, I didn't even like it. Mm. I was like, this is gnarly. Like mm -hmm. it's not cocaine. Coke, you do a line of it. You do a couple lines, you can drink, you can, you know, go all night and whatever happens with that happens. But with meth, like it was a whole other animal, right? Mm. So when I started doing, uh, then I didn't do it for a while. And then when I really got into it, it became, it like, I don't want to say, it, it just overrode every other drug, mm. right? So nothing really mattered anymore because that just became a lifestyle for me. But that's all saved for my fourth and fifth steps. <laughs> it's program talk sure anyway so so when when doing math for a while this is in my early 20s was experimenting with not just experimenting it was what i was doing i was doing it all the time i would sometimes be up for it would keep you up for days and days and days wow i'm talking i could go seven eight nine days without sleep to where i was just float, I was floating health. right just yeah. it's totally terrible for your health because i was malnourished i would mm. forget to eat for days and hours and um, the enamel on my teeth was definitely, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. deteriorating. And then on top of that, you know, um, I would sometimes be so sleep deprived that I wake up in another town or something like that in my mm -hmm. car and think, how did I even get here? Like what? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I just be on the freeway. Like my mentor says decoding license plates. I was actually like driving and in autopilot mm -hmm. and kind of, I was playing Tetris on the freeways with other cars. Oof. So like the, uh -huh. the big blocks were the, the semi trucks, the little blocks were the other wow. cars. And I, I would sometimes think, how did I just get from LAX down to Newport Beach? Yeah, it's got to be scary to like reflect on that. Huh? To think I was driving yeah. like that behind the wheel, it was a danger on the road, right? Mm. So I remember that um, right around 22, 23 years old, I wanted to stop. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop meth. I thought that meth was like the devil's dander mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. sure. I started to see people become demonic. I started mm -hmm. seeing myself become demonic. And, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't working for me. I didn't mm -hmm. like it. And so I stopped. I stopped. Mm -hmm. I actually stopped that for a while. But I was still frequenting raves. I was still um, going to nightclubs. So just because I stopped doing meth doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing like ecstasy. So at the time, ecstasy was mm -hmm. very popular. It was the thing to do, like depending on who you were and what style of a person you were. But... I liked the dance scene. I liked the raves. I loved house music. I loved techno. I loved going to different uh, raves. And, and just, it was the love drug. Like, you know, everybody was loving to do ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And being a person that was a polysubstance abuser and just mixing everything, I'd do ecstasy with acid. And they call that hippie flipping. Sometimes mm -hmm. we would do ecstasy with mushrooms. They called that, um, they called, what they call it? There was different ones. So basically I did mushrooms. I would do all these hallucinogens, again, to just escape. It was the great yeah. escape going into these dance festivals, dancing and enjoying ourselves and having a lot of fun. What's up, Susan? Hi, Susan. Hey. So 
over a period of time, like the ecstasy just became like the drug all throughout the 90s, the weekend drug. Mm-hmm. Anything in between was just weed, weed, weed. Tons mm-hmm. of weed. Weed in all different forms. Not mm-hmm. like wax. We didn't have wax back then. We had keef. Mm-hmm. We had hashish. Mm-hmm. We had, um, you know, edibles. different strains. No one was really even doing edibles then. Oh, really? No, there wasn't many. I mean, we could. The only thing we ever cooked was like pot brownies. That's about mm-hmm. as far as it went. You didn't have like Crisco oil. It was like solely, yeah. uh, you know, THC based, which that came later. But, yeah. but you know, we were, we were growing weed. We were about. driving uh, weed illegally. It wasn't legalized. It wasn't even talk of legalization. Mm-hmm. Then, right. Sure. So, so weed was being like, it was just an everyday thing. You know, wake up in the morning, wash your bong, uh, rinse it. If it's a glass bong, go and like put rubbing alcohol to it, mm-hmm. chill it in the, in the freezer. We had a full, it was all like everything was calculated. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then like once you had a system, go take a shower. Once you get out of the shower, come smoke weed and just get the full effect of marijuana. And we had the best kind, you know, like we weren't into that like uh, swag weed that had seeds in it. We were like, mm-hmm. Upper class weed smokers, don't you know? Right. So that, that was just a lifestyle. So over a period of time, you know, always smoking weed, doing ecstasy. I totally, I had it in, tweakers weren't allowed at my house. Hmm. I wouldn't want anybody that does methamphetamines to come over, not even knowing. Into my late 20s, I had these opportunities to transport this stuff called ice. Okay. To other states. I won't say where. I don't want to like sure. put myself in any kind of a weird position. But when I was doing that, I remember looking at the stuff after I transported it and I opened it up and it looked like diamonds. Mm. It looked pretty. It was glistening. And I remember my conscience on one trip thought I thought to myself that I wonder how many lives I'm ruining with this. So it was in those mm. times when I knew like, yeah. but I hadn't used it yet mm-hmm. until I used it. And I, I also justified my mind that um, if I just snort a little bit, I'm okay. But if I actually buy a pipe, then I'm an addict. Mm. I'm not thinking that all throughout my life I've yeah. been addicted to different drugs. Yeah, you just know, the rationalizations. The rationalizations, yeah. right? And finally, one day I actually did use it. And I, it was like I had arrived. Mm. I had never felt anything like it. It was, uh, it was like crystal meth, but it was um, smokable. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff was more snortable or eatable, edible. So when I was doing this, like it took me to another level, uh, a lot of intensity, a lot mm-hmm. of, um, you know, you just feel like you're going 120 miles an hour all the time. Yeah. You always want to be productive. You always want to create things. So I was trying to go to the art institute. I was trying to uh, yeah. do interactive multimedia type stuff, and and everything was overkill. I just ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Memphis is the devil's dandruff. It will take you down, and it became my demise. Um, before that, there was a, a sh- short stint of heroin use bet- that was with the, um, some Mexican gang members that were in Santa Ana. They expected me to, like, if I wanted to score drugs through them, they wanted, they told me, like, don't you, they thought I was Hispanic. So they said, aren't you, like, uh, aren't you proud of your heritage? I'm like, what does that mean? Because a true Latino does heroin. So I did heroin for a while. And then I went back to my roots and hung out with some Persians that did opium. Mm-hmm. Opium was from the old country. It comes in this little uh, ball, like rolls. They call it lulz. And when you have these lulz, like they would tra- they would smuggle them into this country in Persian rugs that they were selling. Wow. So I started selling that, and that that drug screwed me up worse than anything on earth. Opium. Opium. Like, hey, so it's a side segue. 
we have a standalone video on Pej's opium story on YouTube. Incredible story. And the opium that I was doing, let's not to be mistaken with the stuff that was like in the hippie scene, like that they called that sopium or sopium. So so basically, <laughs> there was this opium that was mm -hmm. from the old country, you know, probably grown in Afghanistan and the poppy fields. Mm. It was dark, it was black, you had to smoke it. Um, it was a complete, I mean, it's where it all comes from. It's where heroin and all these different, it's an opiate, you know, like opium mm -hmm. is the, the mother of them all, right? Yeah. And, and doing it, like, I was looking for a head high. This was giving me a body high and I didn't mm -hmm. even realize it. But also I kept going and wanting more and more and more. I'm talking, I did so much more and more. I was on like a four month or like daily mm -hmm. user. And then all of a sudden I stopped thinking I could stop. Didn't realize that I'm gonna withdraw harder than ever mm -hmm. from any drug, even heroin. I mean, mm -hmm. the withdrawal of heroin really? had its own withdrawal and I never detoxed like in a regular detox. Yeah. It was always just drying out and going through all the body pain. This opium just floored me. I'm talking, mm -hmm. I was by the toilet, the porcelain god, puking, shivering, sweating. And just it was the worst experience ever. I called my cousin in LA and I'm like, what is going on with me? And he goes, dude, you're you're withdrawing. Hmm. Like you've been doing this for a while now. Like you, you're basically, you either do more or you never do it again. Yeah. So I never did it again. And I never wanted to feel like that again. Um, you don't see a lot, it's not a common drug that's used, uh, not in the United States, yeah. but definitely in the old country and like the Middle East. Opium, you know, it's just as common as marijuana. Hmm. So, <clears throat> did now I'm, you know, fast forward in my late 20s, straight meth user. Hmm. I'm talking like I wasn't even interested in the other drugs anymore. Smoked weed every once in a while. Drank a lot. Drank with it, definitely. Drank alcohol because if you drink alcohol and you do meth, they go together hand in hand. They complement each other. They enhance each other. You can drink all night long. You don't really get drunk. You get buzzed and it just becomes like this ongoing, like, sensation that's within the brain where you're just like, I love alcohol and I love meth. Unfortunately, what comes with that too, with doing a lot of meth is shadiness, like mm -hmm. shady people, people that you can't trust. Um, you're always looking over your shoulder, whether somebody wants to jack you or you're looking over your shoulder and making sure that there's like no police on your tail. Mm -hmm. uh, every helicopter is after you, at least in your mind it is. Checking out your windows. Checking out your windows. Yeah, some of, some of your that. friends may experience methamphetamine psychosis, amphetamine mm. psychosis. Um, I might not, I myself had a lot of paranoia, but I never got to the point, that's Joey Zabel, he's a good man. What's up, Joey? Yeah, watch it later, yeah. it'll be on again. Well, I, th I think what we're actually gonna do is, because we're, we're running a, a little late on time here, is let's do a part two okay. next week. Okay. Because I feel like we could keep the, we could do a part five, we could keep this going forever. Well, actually I'm almost done. This is where I started to get sober. Okay. We could just finish it off today and do, all right. do a whole other show. Basically, what it all came down to was meth brought me to my knees. Mm -hmm. I did meth again from 27 till about 35. Um, it created homelessness. Mm -hmm. It created so much havoc within the home where my mom wrote me off like a bad check, changed all the, all the locks on the doors. Um, I had loan sharks out to get me police out mm -hmm. to get me police actually got me. I went to jail, institutions, um, psych wards, all these different things. Finally got sober at the age of 35 mm. and with the idea of I could still drink alcohol and smoke weed. But once I was in that whole treatment setting, I realized over a period of time after a psychodrama, I want to be completely sober. No more drugs. Don't even do them. Quit smoking cigarettes about seven years into recovery. 
Don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. I'm not a slave awesome. to substances without voices. I love it. It's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing a condensed version of your life in 24 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and this wasn't to glorify anything. This is just to talk about the experience. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's always Thank you very interesting, much. inspiring, and amazing to hear. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Yeah. Thank you all so much. If you have any <coughs> follow-up questions, you can leave them in the comments of this. If you're listening to this uh, in podcast format, you can always send us an email at Austin or Pej at beginningstreatment.com. We will answer every single question. And um, anywhere that you listen to this podcast, we would very much appreciate a review, whether that's on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other third-party app. Please leave us a review. It means the world. It helps us grow. Every single review counts. We also have a page on Facebook called Ask an Addiction Specialist. I mean, it's you know the meaning of it is what's in the name. Uh, if you have any questions, if you're suffering, if somebody that you know is suffering with addiction or alcoholism, feel free to come on to our page. We will add you. And finally, if you just want to learn a little bit more about individual drugs, addiction, the recovery process, interventions, or anything in this industry whatsoever, let us know. Let us know. We have a ton of resources free available to you 24-7. You can check out beginningstreatmentcenter.com or, or I'm sorry, beginningstreatment.com or Sites.